We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky. Make it a double. Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of Blackbird. My apologies if I sound a little funky or if I cough during because I'm a little under the weather, but... We wanted to get this episode out, so wanted to still record. As always, I am your host, Sarah, and I am here with my thankfully not sick co-host, Dan. Not that we know of. Fingers crossed. Cross them fingers. Have you been taking your temperature? No. Oh, you should. Probably. Yeah. So if you have not yet listened to episode 23... Please do so before you begin this episode, because this is part two of our Fort Hood series. So to understand where we are picking up on this week's episode, you definitely want to listen to the first part, which was last week's episode. Otherwise, you might be a little lost. Or if you already know the Vanessa Yen case, maybe you want to just listen to this one but still we we covered some other stuff last week that you may want to also be uh privy to when we left off in episode 23 specialist vanessa gian's remains had just been discovered and as we mentioned this area had been searched just 10 days prior but Vanessa's remains were not discovered during that initial search. Investigators theorized that the remains, which had originally been buried under concrete, had possibly been dug up by wildlife. And this is where things get absolutely mind-blowing about this case. So Dan doesn't know much about this case at all. Um, uh, he knows little bits and pieces that I've told him over the months, but I haven't told him pretty much everything. (laughs) So I did listen to part one. (laughs) Good. I heard the whole thing. You heard the whole thing. Um, so I'm, I'm banking on getting some reactions out of him on this one. (laughs) So done. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. (laughs) So Vanessa was last seen at Fort Hood after having been called in on her day off. Surveillance video caught her entering the base, but never saw her exiting. She was reported missing soon after her last communication with her family. Her car keys, ID, wallet and barracks keys were found in the armory where she worked. But remember, this was her day off. She was not supposed to be working at all. Her body was ultimately found by the Leon River by men who smelled a foul odor and saw hair sticking up out of the ground. Investigators said whoever had done this to Vanessa poured concrete over her, but subsequent rainfalls and wildlife led to the uncovering of the gravesite. They had said this is one of the most sophisticated burials they'd ever seen. Well, it didn't really work, did it? No, but... 
just wait, because there's more about this. Okay. This so far, I'm not impressed. Gravesite. But do you have anything to add about the fact, again, that she was coming into work on her day off? No, just what I said before. Like, and then disappeared. Nobody saw her after she even came into work. Like, shit is sketchy AF. Like, right. You know. Again, like, I, you know, this is just what, what you already heard if you just listened to part one of this. But, like, clearly her boss forced her to come in to work, you know, that day. Because no one says, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to work for no reason on my day off. Right. Like... She was, someone called and said, you gotta come in, you know, and, and the fact that nobody saw her, she didn't swipe in anywhere or anything like that means that she got snatched immediately. She didn't show up at where she actually goes to do her work, so clearly a setup. Vanessa's body was not found in just one concrete grave, but several. Her body had been dismembered and scattered throughout this area near the river. According to an affidavit, this is how it all happened. A witness stated Vanessa was seen leaving the armory in which she worked in order to go to a separate arms room to double check serial numbers, leaving her belongings behind in her workspace. She was never seen exiting that second arms room. Specialist Aaron David Robinson was in charge of the arms room to which Vanessa went to check serial numbers. Robinson bludgeoned Vanessa to death with a hammer and stored her body in a tough box in the armory. Well, we know this? Yes. This is all part of the affidavit. Whose which affidavit? The FBI's. Okay which I'm going to read information from okay. in a little while. And all of this information, you will hear who it comes from. Okay. Witnesses told investigators that they saw Robinson wheeling a box out of the armory, loading it into his vehicle, and then driving away. Late April 22nd or early April 23rd, he then enlisted his girlfriend, Cecily Aguilar, who is the estranged wife of another army soldier, to help in the disposal of Vanessa's body. He had already brought the box to the eventual burial site, but now was bringing Aguilar to the site to have her help. They then began to dismember Vanessa's body in order to more easily dispose of it. Vanessa's remains were then burned and placed in three separate holes and covered the remains. However, on April 26th, Robinson and Aguilar returned to the site to further break down Vanessa's body and burn the remains once again. They then buried her remains and covered them with concrete. Robinson eventually committed suicide and Aguilar was arrested and taken into custody for being an accessory. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. He committed suicide. Yeah. So why did he... I mean, I guess we'll get into why he did it in the first place. So I actually... We, we will kind of, but as of right now, there's, there's no, no explanation. motive right. whatsoever. Why did they cover the remains in concrete? Just let them, let them break down naturally. No idea. I guess I never heard the song. Dead Body Disposal? What? From way back in the day. What song is it? It's a hip hop song about oh, how to dispose of, of a dead body. Of course. You don't put it in concrete. Concrete lasts forever. Yeah, well, they were trying to just cover it. They're dumb. Not sophisticated at all. And they, again, like we mentioned in last week's episode with um, Waddell Morales, um, you can't burn a body. Right. Like, a body does not ignite. Right. It takes a very long time to burn a body. Right. And right. it's very, very, very smelly. And, oh, yes, you it is. You can smell burning body for literally miles. Correct. Yeah. Um, 
So, like, if you just light a body on fire, right. you're no, you need a you nothing's need a gonna specifically happen. Specifically designed, very very high temperature furnace for right. that, like in the berms, right? Or like you said, an accelerant, right? Like pouring gasoline on or something like that. Right. Um, but even still, the the way to do it is a very high temperature furnace. Well, yeah, but people think that they can just like throw a match on you and you're just going right. to light up. No. That's not how the human body water. works, right? It's not going to work. work. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they burned her the first time they had her there and then they went back and burned her again because it didn't work the first time. But like, why would you think that it would work the second time? Right. Like clearly these are not very intelligent. These people. are not sophisticated. Not the right word for this. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure why they said that this was a sophisticated burial site um but yeah so and it, was, and it was shallow enough that just the action of the weather and wildlife uncovered it so they did not go six feet deep like no. literally everybody on the planet knows right so this right. is the opposite of sophisticated <laughs> the thing the thing is though like apparently this site was um was investigated uh, like 10 days prior and right. nothing was uncovered. Maybe it was investigated by the same guy that thought that this was <laughs> or the same team. That's the thing. Something else for a the reason they found the site eventually was because um, contractors who were working on building a fence right. smelled and saw the remains. Right. Like contractors were able to find this body right. or the site rather, right. rather than an actual investigative body. Yeah. Like, I, I, Time for a career change, guys. Hate to tell you. I mean, you know, the, the reason why we're covering these stories with Fort Hood is because the investigative process is quite poor. So, you know, it leads me to wonder, were they even really investigating properly? Right. Yeah. It, are they incompetent or are they negligent? Right. It's one of those two things. It They're either be, real bad at their both. job or they just weren't doing it. It could be both. Yeah, of course. Right, so... And was it intentional? Did this go high up enough in the in the chain of command that they're actually very good investigators yeah. and they intentionally didn't find it? But then, I don't know. It just sounds like incompetence to me. <laughs> right. And they had three different agencies, I think, searching. Um, I believe they had the Army, the FBI, and maybe local law enforcement searching and like they none of them found it like this just it's it's weird it's not normal to hear something like that um you know we've heard that in other cases too and people kind of are confused by it and in 10 days i can't imagine that the wildlife and the rainfall was that significant over that short amount of time for the grave sites to unearth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Unless that was just very, very poorly done. It was done six inches under the ground. Right. But I mean, <laughs> it's one thing if you search in January and then you search again in July. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah, that's a significant amount of time. You're definitely going to... Right. You're going to get some significant environmental changes at that point you know whether it be um wildlife uh weather changes um overgrowth things like that but in 10 days mm -hmm. to you know like if i went into the backyard and then 10 right. days later i was like oh wait there's like a thing here i didn't see that 10 days ago mm -hmm. I wouldn't imagine that we would have enough weather change in that 10-day period for it to have been significant enough for me to not see anything and then 10 days, only 10 days later, see something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just said, you know what I mean, and it oh, made me... We got a drink. <laughs> if any of you listen to the uh, the Scrubs rewatch... Fake Doctor's Real Friends. Fake Doctor's Real Friends with Zach Braff and Donald Faison... They have the drinking game because Donald says, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like every other sentence. And I just realized that I say it. <laughs> so <laughs> my apologies. 
I mean, you could drink if you want to. But yeah. We're not condoning it. Um, no. <laughs> um, it just makes me a little wary of their investigative skills and yeah, whether sure. or not they really were trying. Right. Like I said, they're, they're either terrible at their job or they are just were not trying. Right. It has to be one of those two. Or it was intentional. Right. Which yeah. kind of technically also makes you terrible at your job. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's completely unethical. <laughs> so we bring you these cases to discuss the injustices surrounding sexual violence. And as mentioned in last week's episode, Vanessa's story launched a full look into what exactly is happening at Fort Hood. According to the affidavit, there was no specific motive for Robinson's killing of Vanessa, and there was found to be no connection between Vanessa's sexual harassment claims and Robinson himself. However, my favorite quote from a press release regarding Vanessa's disappearance is this. Quote, However, all sexual harassment allegations are being investigated in this case as they are in every other instance because sexual harassment is categorically adverse to our army values. End quote. Okay. When have we heard that they've actually investigated sexual harassment claims? I mean, Never. from all we've heard from different people and different reports coming out in the news, they don't investigate sexual harassment claims. Right. So, are you lying? <sighs> like, this is such a frustrating situation because, again, like, we take all the time in these military cases, these are supposed to be the most upstanding, honorable, moral people and they can just come up onto a podium and blatantly lie to the american people yeah and thankfully finally people are saying no i'm not i'm not listening to that bullshit anymore this is a lie i know it's a lie and we need to get something done about it because we're losing too many soldiers and other military people service members because of negligence, incompetence, whatever you want to say it is. It's not okay that we're continuing to hear every week that a new Fort Hood soldier has gone missing. It's literally been every week in the last couple of months. Right. That we've heard, oh, like, what another is one. on there? What is going on? And that's... And how is no one, like, working diligently on this problem? <laughs> <sighs> It's it's mind-boggling. It really, really is because, you know, we expect these kinds of things from like corporate America because like we 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 right. expect them to be corrupt, money and rules. it's really it's on it's sad that we say that, but exactly. But that's the system that we've chosen to live in. But we don't expect this to happen no. in the military. No. With people who, again, are supposed to be protecting the lives of strangers. But they don't want to protect their own. Right. Um, and it's just, it's devastating. And, you know, my, my dad was a Marine. My dad fought in Vietnam. And he had always said to me when I was younger that he could see me going into the military. He had talked to me about, you know, possibly going into the military. He had talked to me about becoming a police officer because we come from police family. Um, my grandfather and Dan's grandfather both actually started <laughs> the Suffolk County Police Department together, which is the weirdest thing. We found that out like years into our relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. So bizarre. But um, so, you know, Dan and I come from police families, law enforcement families, uh, military families. But, like, my dad, you know, he would constantly say to me, like, I could see you as uh, as a, a military service member. And I, while I, I strive and thrive under, you know, structure, hearing the stories that I know now, I'm quite 
happy that I never did go into the military because um, <laughs> it's kind of a shit show. Not even that. I feel like I may have wound up dead because I right. probably would have said something. Right. I probably would have been one of those people that stood up and said, no, stop saying that to me, doing that to me. Don't do that to other people, whatever the case is. And I guarantee I would have rubbed many people the wrong way. And I may have ended up being one of these right. soldiers who mysteriously went missing who the army never looked into. Right. So I'm not saying you shouldn't go into the military. I'm just saying that you should look into exactly what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. Where you're going to train, where you're going to be stationed, learn as much as you can going into the situation. Exactly. And if something is funky, you have to be prepared to get out. If you have to, exactly. you know, or, or be prepared to protect yourself, which is a crazy thing to say, because that should be the safest place you can possibly be. Exactly. But you have to be prepared to protect yourself. You know, listen, and, listen to our survivor stories, too, from Chastity and Amanda, because right. they lived it. Right. Listen to the, the, the things that they did right yep. and the mistakes that they made right. that unfortunately put them in those situations. Right. Exactly. And, and listen to what they said they would have changed had they been able to go back right. to those situations right. again um you know talk to people who have been through these types of situations and you can contact amanda and and chastity they they provide their um their social media information in the in the episodes so you know go back and listen to those episodes if you are contemplating going into the military because you you need to know what you're getting yourself into before you do it for sure you know, and it's the same rules that apply in civilian life apply there where, you know, if you're a young woman and some guy you just met invites you to a house party, you need to be a little careful. You need to be a little suspicious, you know. If he just, if he doesn't tell you where it is or who's going to be there, but here's my truck, hop in, you probably shouldn't go at all. You know, whether you're in civilian life or in the military. The thing is, when these kinds of things happen in military environments, even worse... Because the justice system doesn't really seem to be designed to protect you. It seems to be designed to protect itself. Correct. So in civilian life, when something happens to you, there are avenues that you can take. And granted, they're not very good either. But it seems like in the military, when bad shit happens, the justice system doesn't really care right. about you. It cares about protecting its image. And <sighs> w what you're saying about... You know, whether it's civilian life versus, um, you know, being on base with somebody saying, hey, get into my truck. Let's go to this party. The thing about that is generally when you're in the military, again, you're like you're way more trusting because you're again, you're expecting these people to be protectors. That's what they went into the military to be. That's literally their job. So. I would be more trusting of somebody in the military, which makes it makes me more vulnerable because now I'm trusting somebody that I'm expecting to be, again, an honorable, upstanding citizen. And like, I would be way more trusting of somebody in the military than I would be of a civilian, just any random right. dude I meet at like right. A grocery store you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and i say all the time I, I know i've mentioned this to you but like and this is no disrespect to police officers no disrespect at all but like if when i'm at penn station i feel so much more safe when i see a military service member right. than i do when i see a police officer right. and That's... listen nypd are like we have some of the most incredible law enforcement agents in the country in on the NYPD. Do not get me wrong. The NYPD are badass people. But personally, if I see, you know, a, a soldier walking down the walkway right. with his firearm protecting, I'm right. I'm feel more inclined better. to be like, okay, I feel comfortable yeah. than if I just see a cop walking around with his firearm, right. you know, it's just, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm more trusting of the military 
and <laughs> hearing maybe these if, stories. Maybe if we do enough of these episodes, that'll change. I know. That's like I I'm like kind of on that fence now of like right. should I be trusting of these people? Like I don't know. Right. I don't know how to feel now. Right. And you know, both Amanda and Chastity said ninety nine percent of military service members are absolutely phenomenal people and they are there to protect it's that one percent that's always you know and and that's going to be everywhere but as we're going to talk about more in this in this episode and and next week's episode it starts from the top down if there's not proper administration and management the lower level people are just gonna run amok you know absolutely so absolutely. and again I, I always come back and make this comparison to civilian life but it's the same yeah. thing in any correct organization in, in civilian world if you if you have a business and your management sucks then your lower level employees are just going to do whatever the f they want and you're not gonna get done what you need to get done right. it starts at the top and it trickles down right since Vanessa's discovery, a sharp team of seven members was sent to Fort Hood to, quote, assess whether the command climate is supportive of soldiers reporting incidents of sexual harassment and sexual assault and identifying any potentially systemic issues with the sharp program at Fort Hood, as well as any resource constraints. And so SHARP is actually the Sexual Harassment and Assault Response and Prevention Team. So they take care of, like, they have literally a specific military group that investigates um, all of the sexual harassment and sexual assault reports. Um, they put together the the statistical um reports that we read in that first episode that we did the live episode that we did with PodVCon. Um, so they, their specific goal is to prevent this stuff from happening. And their job is to look into why it's happening and then how to um, prevent it from happening further. So at least they have this, this team now going into Fort Hood to like look into this further. But Again, we don't know the motive of why Robinson ended up killing Vanessa, but Vanessa had discussed with her mother that there was, um, from all the reports, there was a sergeant who was sexually harassing her and stalking her. And she had also said that there were other allegations against this guy, this, this sergeant. So where was Sharp? when these other allegations were right were coming out you know and who is the sergeant we still don't know anything about that why like yes yeah, she was murdered and we need to investigate that because she disappeared and she wasn't found for months later and it didn't come out in the news until months later so yeah something went wrong there but who is the guy who was stalking her why have we not heard anything about that are are they investigating that like did that guy have any connection to Robinson? Was was that guy potentially the estranged husband of Robinson's wife? I mean, I'm literally, these are theories. I'm not saying that he is. I don't even know who the guy is. But why, why is it taking so long to figure that out? Especially if there are other allegations against this guy. Like, look into that. Because... He's clearly a repeat offender. And it could just continue getting worse and worse and worse. If if he's sexually harassing people and stalking people and getting away with it, we say all the time, escalation happens. If nothing's being done about the small things, bigger things are going to happen. Right. Absolutely. So why are we not hearing anything about this guy and or just an investigation into him? You know, why does it have to take her death? Again, I say this every time, but why does it have to take her death for Sharp to actually start looking into this? Right, exactly. That's that you've already failed at that point. It's not like, oh, someone died. Good. Now we have a data point. It's like, no, someone died. You failed. Fired. Pack your shit. Go home. Let's do some. Let's replace you with something that works. 
and li- don't work. literally the P in their name stands for prevention. prevention. Right. Not what reaction, the hell are you prevent? Exactly. Prevention means being proactive, proactive. <laughs> not reactive. Right. Exactly. You don't wait for something to happen and then go, okay, we got to take care of it. You get ahead of it before it can even happen. Mm-hmm. Where were you? Why did you not do that? Why could you not protect her? And again, I I don't know if Robinson was part of that. But if she was continuing to be stalked and sexually harassed until the day she died and was afraid to come forward with it, why was she afraid? Why did it take so long for you to finally say, we have to do something about this? Numerous women have come forward and said that this person was doing these things. But it takes an unrelated incident of somebody dying for you to finally be like, oh, all right, we got someone dead. Now we got to go do it. It's like, yes, it's an obligation, but like, it shouldn't just be your obligation to do these things. It should be, again, like, being in being on a team like this, you should be there for the for the reasons of just of not just it's my job to do it, but like I want to do it. I want to protect these people from X, Y, and Z. So for these people to sit on a team like this and just be like, okay, we gotta go do it. Like so blase about it. Like now we got a dead person. Yeah. And, like, is that just normal? Right. <laughs> like, oh, another person died because we didn't do our jobs. All right, whatever. I'll get another manila folder and start a new file. What? Right. How is that okay? Like, I want to know what Sharp is doing. Clearly jack shit. <laughs> I mean, it's seven team members. Like, Fort Hood is one of the largest military bases on in the country you're gonna send seven people to be like oh we gotta look through all the files like seven pe- i don't think that's enough i don't think seven people is enough right especially after what just happened right i don't and think seven people is enough clearly it wasn't enough before no because you didn't do the job right <laughs> right so i'm actually gonna read the timeline from the affidavit and so there are a couple of things that i want to talk about in in it because it's again things that go along with the investigative process of this entire thing um and well hopefully they'll also jump out to you so i'm gonna i'm gonna read okay so this is the fbi affidavit about this entire murder case of vanessa so this is the background of the investigation on 4-23-2020, USACID was notified by a captain in the Regimental Provost Marshal 3rd Cavalry Regiment, Fort Hood, Texas, that Private First Class Vanessa Gian had been reported missing by her unit. All right. April 23rd, she, she was reported missing. So then they have this witness who states that they saw her leave her arms room to go to this other arms room and then they see robinson taking this tough box this large tough box because she wasn't dismembered at this point remember Mm -hmm. so her entire body was inside this box so it had to be large enough to i mean she was a small woman but still it had to be large enough to fit a person in so some a witness sees her go into this room and then a person come out with a box right Right. <laughs> what's in the box exactly a search of private first class Gen's phone records revealed the last outgoing text message from her phone was a message to specialist robinson's phone specialist robinson was one of the last people known to have seen Gen on 4 2020 specialist robinson stated he texted Gen to inform her he was in the arms room He said she read uh, serial numbers for equipment and afterward he gave her paperwork and the serial number for a 50 caliber machine gun, 
which needed to be serviced. He said she left the arms room and he believed she would have next gone to the motor pool. Witnesses at the motor pool prepared to receive the paperwork from Gien stated she did not arrive with the papers. Okay. So now. That's fishy. (laughs) Right. Like. She goes into the arms room. He's the last person to talk to her. He's the person who runs this arms room. And like she disappears. What at this point. On the 23rd. When. So a day later. When she's reported as missing. What was the investigative process? Talk to him immediately. Right. He was the last person to see her alive. That's literally step one. Right. On 4-28-2020, USA CID interviewed Specialist Robinson. So now this is like a week later. later. Yeah. yeah. They finally interview him. On 5-18-2020, two witnesses were interviewed who stated that on 4-22, they observed Specialist Robinson pulling the large tough box. So it took a month for them to find out that people saw him pulling this right. box out of the mm-hmm. arms room. How is that possible? Why a month? Right. What were you doing for that month? Uh, so Cecily, the girlfriend, was interviewed on 6 2020 So now two months after the report that, Gien, that Vanessa had gone missing. And she, of course, gives a, an alibi. Because that's what the girlfriend always does. So they're like, oh, well, yeah, she, yeah, he was with her the whole time. Right. Couldn't, couldn't have been him. Even though he was the last known person to see her alive, he was messaging her on the day that she shouldn't have even been in work. He was the last text message to her. And he claimed that she was on her way to go do something and she never arrived at that place. Right. But we're going to believe the girlfriend. Right. Who was not there and has no effing idea what's going on. Come on. Come on. All right. So this is what really gets me. And they don't give dates of when they actually reviewed the phone records, but whatever, which kind of pisses me off. But an analysis of phone records pertaining to Specialist Robinson's telephone was conducted. A review of the location data revealed that at approximately 1.59 a.m., 4.23-2020, Specialist Robinson's cell phone was identified in the vicinity of FM 436 and West Main Street in Belton, Texas, specifically on or around a bridge. Specialist Robinson's cell phone then tracked along the Leon River in a northward direction. Specialist Robinson's cell phone remained in the area for approximately two hours. Aguilar's cellular telephone location data was also analyzed later, and it revealed she and Specialist Robinson were near the Leon River together on 4-23-2020 and 4-26-2020. When did they look at these phone records? Because that's the burial site. Right. Did they only look at these records when it became a big deal in the media? Of course, obviously. They were like, oh shit, we didn't do our job. We better do it quick. What the hell? Yeah. And it pisses me off that they don't even give dates of when they looked at... Why are there dates for everything else? Because they just don't want it to be obvious. Except when they... Right. (laughs) They just want to be, oh, it was done. Don't worry about it. It's like when you do a project on the last day. That it needs to be done. And you're like, oh, no, that, that's done. Don't worry about it. You just finished it five minutes ago. But you're going to you're gonna pretend like it was done on Wednesday. It took them a month to even interview the guy who was last who last saw her. And then you're not even going to be concerned with checking his, lo- his data location until later? What kind of investigation is this? This is trash. This is a trash investigation. Which is exactly why now it's in the media that Fort Hood sucks ass at investigating this stuff. Why did it take this long? Obviously, they suck. That's why. Uh, yeah. It took so long. Obviously, it would not have prevented her death because clearly he killed her like as soon as he saw her in the arms room. 
Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't have prevented her, her death, obviously, but it shouldn't have taken two, three months to even figure out who killed her. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, this seems like a pretty open and shut case. Yep. For sure. Like... And, like, the impetus to solve crimes isn't just to prevent those crimes. It's a... Well, it's it's to prevent further crimes. Like, if it takes you two months to find a murderer, how many other people is he going to murder? Right. Right. It's not just about getting, quote-unquote, justice and punishing him. Like, yeah, that's important, too. But, like, how many other lives could you have saved? Right. Now, in this case, we don't believe that he murdered anyone else, but he could have. He could Absolutely. Two months have. is plenty of time. Yeah. You can murder 60 people in two months pretty easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not easily, but still. That's why crimes have to be solved even after the commission of the of the violent act. Because even if you can't prevent the violent act, you can prevent further violent acts. Correct. Yeah. And escalation too. Like we always we always say with things like sexual assault. If you if you punish someone after a relatively minor incident, you prevent them from them from then escalating up to serious incidents. Correct. Exactly. Or at least maybe you prevent it. I mean, we hear all the time about serial killers like, um, like, so John Wayne Gacy comes to mind. John Wayne Gacy was arrested um, when he was younger for sodomy. He was put in jail, in prison, and then he got out because he was a chef in the prison. He got out on good behavior because, you know, he was an upstanding uh, moral prisoner, like, I don't know what a moral prisoner is, but um, he got out. He sodomized somebody. Right. And he got out. Right. And then he went on to murder right. like 30 people. Right. Had you just stopped it right there, 30 more people would be alive. And then the children that they would have had would be alive. And the grandchildren that they would have had would be alive. Yeah. And still to this day, they're identifying his vic- some of his victims. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> and that was the 70s. And they're right. still identifying people to this day, 40 years later, 50 years later, almost. Jesus Christ. Um, like, punish people for actually doing the thing. The, the the small thing, and again, I put that in quotations because it, nothing is a small thing. They're all criminal activities. They're all heinous things. But he escalated from, from just, you know, assaulting somebody, sexually assaulting somebody, because he found that the justice system was like, okay, you've, you've done enough time. It's fine. We'll release you. You've learned your lesson. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ha I didn't learn my lesson. Right, because people like that don't learn lessons. No. You know, this isn't like... The problem is that the justice system still has this idea of the old school justice systems. And I mean, like, from thousands of years gone by, where people do bad stuff because they're jerks. And they know that they're jerks. And when you catch them and punish them, they're going to learn that crime is associated with punishment. And maybe if the punishment is severe enough, they won't do the crime. And that works for some people. Some people are just jerks. And they just want to steal shit because it's, it's easier than working for it. But someone like John Wayne Gacy is not just a jerk. That is a person with a problem in the brain that that spending time in a cell is not going to correct. And if you think it is, you are naive to to an extreme degree, to a, a dangerously negligent level. If you think that someone with something wrong with their brain is going to magically have a brain-fixing event by sitting in a cell. Now, I'm not saying that since since prison time doesn't fix that, that he should be allowed to roam the streets. Of course not. But putting him in a cell is not going to fix the problem. So you either have to keep him in a cell forever or attempt to actually attack the real problem. (laughs) Or 
kill him. Right. There's that one, too. <sighs> so on July 10th, Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy pledged he would be conducting a full independent review of Vanessa's case. Along with this, he stated the Army will hire four civilian consultants for a panel to review historical data, including command climate surveys, inspector general reports, criminal and military justice reports, and sharp statistics to identify what exactly is going on at Fort Hood. And on September 1st, it was announced that General Michael X. Garrett, I love that his middle name is starts with X. It's probably like Xavier. Xavier but like it's about the only one I can think Michael of. Michael X. Mike X. Yeah. Yeah. Um but anyway, so General Michael X. Garrett, commanding general of the United States Arm Army Forces Command, would be directing that Major General John B. Richardson the Fourth formally assume duties as the new deputy commanding general for operations of three corps an acting senior commander of Fort Hood as of September 2nd, as removal of Major General Scott Efflint from the position would be imminent. However, Efflint would still be serving as Deputy Commanding General of Support and will remain at Fort Hood for other duties. So he's removed from his command of the, of the base, but he's still like allowed to be there. They're still right. like, yeah, okay, right. you still do stuff. We think that you did, like, a shit job, but, like, meh. Right. Still gonna let you do stuff here. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, but again, better it, something than nothing. It goes I, back to what I was saying, where they think, you know, that's the justice system that thinks that he just did this because he's a jerk and he knew it was wrong, and if they just punish him, he won't do it again. Which maybe is the case, but probably isn't. <laughs> He probably thinks that everything they did was perfectly above board and uh, they're just jerks for punishing him and this is going to make him angrier and more likely to do this shit in the future. Right. <sighs> right. I mean, how many times can you think when you're at work and somebody gets reprimanded for something and that person goes, yeah, that was a silly thing. I'm not going to do that again. Maybe every now and then that happens. But for the most part, people are like, yeah, fucking boss, what an a-hole. Just because I didn't do my job, whatever. Right. Yeah, just because you didn't do your job. Right. Yep. Like, if you can't accept your own mistakes, you should not be allowed in a position where you can make that mistake again. Right. If you're a a train conductor and you derail a train, you should not be operating trains ever again. (sighs) No. No, you shouldn't. But, I mean, I guess it's at least good that he's no longer like in charge of the base right you know at least there's that the damage that he can do in the future is limited right and he was supposed to actually be transferred to another base but that didn't happen and i don't know what the reasoning for that is um but you know i i see that as kind of a good thing in, in a sense because at least now with all of the new investigations that are going into fort hood at least they can kind of keep an eye on him Maybe, you know, silver lining of some sort. Because who knows what would have happened if he moved on to another base. Right. Problems would have been immense there. Guaranteed they would have continued. Which, you know, we don't really, we're not hearing a lot about the other bases, but I'm sure there's a ton of stuff going on at those too. Exactly. Right. So this comes not only after the poor handling of both Vanessa's case and, as we discussed last week, private second-class Gregory Waddell Morales's case, but also after the disappearances of many other Fort Hood soldiers' poorly handled cases, including that of Sergeant Elder Fernandez, who went missing August 19th. And that is where we will pick up for part three cliffhanger hang on for one week yeah we'll see you next week so do you have any parting words for this one no just the same shit as every time man like it's freaking crazy what incompetence how dangerous incompetence can be you know and i always say this like when you're when you're presented with an opportunity to accept some kind of responsibility when you take a job 
if that if the consequences of you not doing your job are people potentially dying or being harmed in some kind of significant way, you have to take that job very, very, very seriously. You have to be passionate about doing that job. And if you're not, do not accept the job. Yeah. You know, like like we say in these cases where clearly there's police misconduct or or, or incompetence. Don't take that job if you're not absolutely passionate about doing it. You should go to work every day like, I'm ready to solve cases. And if you're not, don't do the job. Get another job. Be a beat cop. Although even just as a beat cop, you should really be passionate about serving and protecting. So get some dumbass office job where you can sit there and push papers. And if you're having a bad day, it's not that big a deal if you don't push enough papers that day. If you're too fucking lazy to do your job, don't do the job. Unless it's a job that really doesn't matter. (laughs) Don't get a job where people depend on you for their safety unless you're absolutely committed to that job. Correct. And that goes for, uh, yes, any profession where lives are on the line. So, yes, military, law enforcement, justice system, healthcare, anything where a life is on the line. Yeah, don't become a firefighter just to get out of tickets and get free drinks. Right. Become a firefighter to fight fire. Right. And if you don't want to fight fire, don't become a firefighter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I literally can't make it any simpler than it's, that. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's not a difficult concept at all. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's part two. Well, yes, we. Oui. Um, so next week will be part three. We'll go into the story of uh, Elder Fernandez, and uh, we'll discuss the other soldiers who have unfortunately lost their lives, um, not necessarily due to homicide or or suicide, but we do want to honor those who we've lost this entire year from the base. So if you or anyone you know would like to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. You can also message us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. You can find all of our social media pages, our website, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff where we are on podcast platforms, where you can listen to us, where you can subscribe, where you can download, where you can give reviews at our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. And I do want to mention that beginning next week, we will be doing a new segment called Psyche Saturday. It's not psych. It's psyche. Psych is not spelled with an E. Psyche Saturday. Um, I've been saying in all of our social media posts that it's going to be like a 15 to 30 minute show, but I probably lied about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be longer than that. Because yeah. uh, there's probably going to be some, a lot of information that we're going to give you. But Psyche Saturday is going to be a new discussion every Saturday about a different mental health, cognitive, or neurological disorder. So that could be anything from a psychiatric clinical diagnosis to uh, autism to Alzheimer's, um, any of those kinds of things. Anything that is changing the brain chemistry or altering personality Um And we are going to discuss basically, you know, give you the definitions of what it means, the symptoms, the criteria that that you have to meet in order to be diagnosed with that, Um, how it correlates to violent crime, because a lot of these disorders have a very high misconception that they are seen within violent offenders and the majority of them actually aren't it's just people have people have misconceptions and they don't understand a lot of these disorders so we want to give you the statistics of how it actually correlates to violent crime um and just educate you guys so that you know you're 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 more aware of 
A, if you have something possibly going on, if somebody you know possibly has something going on, or if you think somebody has something, but they really don't, or just so you can better understand, you know, and not be fearful of people who maybe do have some sort of psychiatric disorder, um, you know, because one one quick story, actually, I just, when I was in nursing school, I've told Dan this story, but when I was in nursing school, uh, we were doing our mental health rotation and half of the of my clinical group had to go to some seminar thing that day. So they actually didn't go to the, uh, the hospital with us. So only half of us went to the hospital. And so we're on the floor, you know, we're, we're doing our stuff. We're taking down nursing notes and, and treating our patients and having conversations with our patients, you know, um, like any normal hospital, um, patient would be. And, the next day we see the rest of our clinical group and one of the girls in my group approaches me and she says, Oh, you know, how was it? I was like, Oh, it was great. You know, I'm, I'm such a, a lover of, um, mental health care. So I was so excited to do it, but I will never forget. She literally looks at me and like dead in the eyes with this like straight face. And she just goes, what were they like? And I was like, they were like you and me. Like, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Right, they like they weren't were, killing people right then and there. Right, like they, they weren't being crazy, quote unquote, like what you see in the movies. Like, it's not right. like that. It, right. it, they're, they're still normal people. They're, right. they're, they just unfortunately 95% have... 95% of the time. Yeah. They're normal people. Yeah. It's not 5% of the time. I mean, we did have one patient that had to be chemically sedated. Um, he was a little... I don't know what his diagnosis was. He, we weren't allowed to treat him because he, he had to be on a one-on-one. They literally had to, lo- like, lock him in his room. Like, there were big things happening with him, but... But they also, like I said, they had a one-on-one with him. Like, they had somebody, almost like security, like, walking with him to make sure that everything, everyone was safe. And we felt safe. I didn't feel at all uncomfortable being around, around that. But, like, I will never forget, what were they like? And, like, (laughs) in in that, in that tone, too. Like, uh, how do you answer that question? They were, like people i I, like i don't know so that's kind of where we want to go with with psyche saturday is just you know destigmatize and exactly and educate and just you know it it, they're they're not scary people they're not scary people they're really not they're just like you and you and i are and we all have some sort of thing going on in our heads so we mm-hmm. could all mm-hmm. technically be diagnosed with something. Absolutely. hundred percent. Everyone um, could have some kind of diagnosis. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's severe or like, not. But... Whether it's affecting your life or not. Yeah. In a exactly. in a specifically negative way. Exactly. Yeah. So all got something. Don't don't be fearful of of these people. Like if you if you see a homeless guy on the street talking to himself, don't be afraid of that. He 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 probably legitimately sees someone there and that doesn't mean he's going to take a knife out and right. bludgeon you. Like you're, right. you're, you're probably safe. He just, right. he, he's talking to his friend. Right. Like, you know, don't, don't right. think that that's a scary situation. It might right. be something that you're not used to. And it might be something that to you seems strange because you don't see it, but, to him, it's 100% real. Right. There is a person there. Now, don't go over there and give him a big hug. No. <laughs> Do not suggest that. But don't open fire either. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Just walk on by. Cautious optimism. Right. right. Just walk on by. Don't don't engage. Don't. Right. But don't, like, look at him all like, oh, my God, what is this guy? Like, right. don't, don't cross the street to get away. Like, don't make it obvious, too. Right. It just... just walk on by like it's a normal thing yep um but yeah so uh that's it um so be safe be aware of your surroundings and continue to social social distance if you can yeah just do it all the time 
People mm-hmm. are smelly. Just, just, just get away from people. Especially strange people. People you don't know. People you're around, you know what they smell like. You're used to it. You've accepted it at this point. But if you haven't been around someone, you don't know what they smell like. And they could smell like coronavirus. Yeah, because Dan just made up that coronavirus has a distinct smell. It has a distinct smell. You just don't know what that smell is. <laughs> it smells like ass proteins. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I'm also just going to throw in, of course, to vote on November 3rd. Um, also, you can mail in your ballot, but make sure that you get your applications in like ASAP to get your mail-in ballot because the application cycle for that, the application deadline for that is coming up and you won't be able to then get your mail-in ballot. So then unfortunately you will have to go in person to the polls. So if you want to do mail-in, get that application in ASAP. There are also areas that are going to allow, I think, like a one week period prior to November 3rd where you can uh, you can go to the polls and vote. So like you can do early voting. So that is also an option to not have such crowded polling places. Definitely a phenomenal idea. I literally cannot believe that the United States government came up with that idea. I know. Because it's so simple and yet it's going to be so effective. Yes. Yes. It's such a good idea. So look into please those. Please take advantage of that. Please look into those options in your area. See which one is best fit for you, uh, which one you're most comfortable with, and then figure out the, the deadlines for all of that stuff so that you know when you can partake in those uh, those different ways of, of voting. Um, you know, we, we have a we have a democracy here. So let your voice be heard. Um, November 3rd, if you don't do early voting or you don't do mail in, but please vote and please look into the candidates. Don't just go vote because you are like, uh, you know, you're part of a particular party. I hardly ever vote my party line. Hardly ever. I'm only registered with a party so that I can vote in the primaries. That's literally the only reason. Because don't then, just vote for who the loud guy at work told you to vote. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. No. Look into the actual candidate. By the way, there are more than just two presidential candidates, just in case anybody didn't understand that. There are actually more than two parties. Look up. <laughs> Dan's not too sure about that. Um <laughs> Dan just crushed her point. <laughs> no, but, but no, she's right. She makes a good point. And it would be phenomenal <laughs> if we could actually get an election that that challenged that paradigm. Because the only reason that that paradigm exists is because it has remained unchallenged since, like, I don't even know. I feel like we should make this. I feel like we should just we should make this a a, a minisode. Oh, just about like just about like the election <laughs> process. process. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. No, maybe. Even fewer people want to hear about that than they want to hear about advocacy. Lots of people want to hear about advocacy. Nobody wants to hear about the political process. Probably not. But it's that's the that's. But we'll the get bad lots. Part. We'll get lots of infamy. We'll get people be like, "What these idiots?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we might get more attention. So controversial. Oh yeah. No, but for real, um, there are other parties on the ballot. So like, just. Just do a quick Google search of all the presidential candidates, not just Democrat, Republican, all of them. There are other parties. There are other people. Maybe those are people who you you identify with more. I don't know. But you will at least learn their platforms and and know if they're people you want to vote for vote for. And um, make sure that, again, you are voting for um, local elections as well for, for local candidates, because that's really that's that's what makes the most difference when you vote for local. So um, and that's where you can make the most difference. 100 percent. So make sure that you are also paying attention to what's going on locally. So that's town, county, state, city any of municipality, those yes right all province <laughs> right whatever water district whatever 
water district. Yes, maybe. Uh, fire district. Fire um, district. Yes. But really, look into what your local politicians are doing and, and who's on the ballot this year. Because you really, you, you want to make sure that what's happening in your town and what your taxes are going to locally are things that you actually want your tax dollars going to. Um, and you want somebody who represents you for the views that you have, not somebody who's just going to yell the loudest because that doesn't mean that they're going to take care of anything important. It just means that they can be loud. So don't just, don't just vote for loud. Loud doesn't get things done. Right. We've done that before, and it hasn't really ended well for particular groups of people. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, with that, I, I think I think we're... Benito. We're out. So we'll, we'll see you on, at least on Saturday, with our first Psyche Saturday. We will be heard by you. We will not see you. We are not creepers. I don't know. We, uh, whatever. We might see them. They, they could be friends with us on social media. That's true. And then we I see don't them. do social media. So she'll see you. Fine. After I'll the fact. see you. <laughs> Chandler is very excited that the episode is ending because he, well, yep, here he is. Um, yes. So we're going to play with our puppies now and um, we'll see you next week. Or uh, sorry, we will be heard by you next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Later. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandrust.com and find us on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and many more including youtube thank you and i love you all Mwah.